Good evening, church. If you have a Bible tonight, and I hope you do, I want to invite you to open with me to Acts chapter 17. That's where we're going to get started. Uh, Just a couple of little housekeeping things. Some of you who were here last week are going to recognize this blue booklet. All right, so like Jeremy told you earlier, we are going through heart and soul right now, and uh, we've made a really big deal about heart and soul, and you uh, you might be wondering why we make such a big deal about that. If you weren't here last week and you want to know why we made such a big deal out of it, I would invite you to go back and listen to the podcast, all right? So when we started last week, I just kind of told everybody why we make such a big deal about heart and soul. And the main reason that is is because we feel like we're on a mission here at Connection this this important, this critical, this, this dangerous, and we don't want to go to war with people who are not heart and soul with us, right? And so we looked at uh, the story of Jonathan and his armor bearer, and when he was going to attack the Philistines, he's, his armor bearer said to him, it was two against 20, and he said, do whatever's in your heart. I'm with you, heart and soul, right? And so that's why we do heart and soul. So if you're here again tonight and you're following up with us from last week, and you want to be following along with the Heart and Soul booklet, I want to invite you to go to Next Steps right now. I'm not going to get mad if you get up and go back there right now. And, open, and you're going to open up to a, a page that looks like this. It's going to say Session 2, How Do I Spend Time with God? So that's, that. if you want to follow along with me, I'm going to kind of go by blanks and bullet points. If you need that, those are back there, okay? So I want, I want you to have that opportunity. Uh, that's just a little, a little bit of housekeeping to get start with, started with. Before we go any further, though, I just feel uh, like God's kind of laid it upon my heart. So let's just stop, and let's, uh, let's stop and, and, and just come before him in prayer. So many times it's so easy to come into this church and, uh, and, or into this elementary school, I should say, and you think, you, you, you take for granted what we're actually doing here. We take for granted that we're opening God's word and that we're going to hear from God. So before we even get started tonight, I just want to just take a minute and let's just turn our hearts toward God in prayer and then we'll get going with the message. All right, so let's just pray with me, please. God, I don't want us to take for granted, Jesus who we're talking about tonight. I don't want us to take for granted, God, that you created the universe and we get to talk about you, God. I don't want us to take for granted, God, that you put breath in our lungs and we get to meet with you tonight, dear God. I don't want to take for granted that you are a good, good father, God, that you look at us and love us, dear God, and care for us, God. I, I just don't want to take those things for granted, God. And even tonight as we pray, God, it's a great pleasure to me that the Bible says that you are in heaven and you do whatever you please. And God, I just pray tonight that as we start, it would please you to change hearts and change lives, dear God. I'm just going to hold you up and hold you out. And God, I just pray that somebody's heart and life will change tonight by what they see in you, Jesus. Dear Lord, only you can do that, dear God. It doesn't matter how good I preach or how bad I preach, Father God. If, if somebody could just catch a glimpse of who you are tonight, I believe that life will be changed. So, Lord, as we start, I just pray that you would just fill this place with your Holy Spirit, God. I just pray that you would do a mighty work in, dear God. And I pray that you would just open our minds and our hearts to how big you really are tonight, Lord. God, we just don't take anything for granted. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. All right, guys, so uh, as we get started here tonight, we're, we're, you can already see if you got your heart and soul booklet, that when it says session two, the question up under it is, how do I spend time with God, right? So we've got a big topic, uh, big topic ahead of us. Let me ask you this, all right? Let's just have a moment of honesty. How many of you feel like that you don't spend enough time with God week to week? Oh, uh, yeah, see, Miss Nancy's the only liar up here. She didn't even raise her hand, right? So everybody, everybody else is saying they didn't, right? I know everybody in this room has that feeling. Like we, we, are, we don't feel like we spend enough time with God. Like there's, there always should be more. Like I'm just not having enough prayer time. I'm just not having enough time with God and his word, and I want to do more. And I know that that feeling exists because, guys, I'm up here preaching tonight, and I'm not, I'm not coming from a position where I'm better than you guys. There's a couple of days this week I didn't get out of bed in enough time to have my quiet time the way I really like to, right? So as we're talking about this, I know that some of you are bringing in to tonight guilt, and like you just want to know how to spend time with God, and you want to know how to do that more and the right way to do that. So as we start tonight, that's what we're going to be talking about. 
But my conviction is, and I've asked you to open up to Acts 17, the main reason we don't spend enough time with God or the main reason we don't spend time with God at all is because we don't really know who God is and know what God's done for us, right? So let me, let me just put it to you this way. If you wake up in the mornings or at night before you go to bed and you open your Bible out of obligation, you don't want to open your Bible. You don't want to spend time with, with God. You just you feel like you have to do it because that's the right thing to do, right? If that's your mindset tonight, you're not doing it the right way, okay? Because I'm here to tell you, once you know God, once you know who He is and what He's done for you, the opening the Bible is the most natural thing in the world. Getting on your knees before Him and praying is natural, amen? So that's tonight what I want us to start. It's in Acts chapter 17. And to give you a little context, this is Paul preaching to a bunch of people who have no idea who God is. And so he's going to describe who God is, and I want us to learn from Paul's definition as we get started tonight, okay? So let's start in verse 22. It says, So Paul, standing in the midst of the Areopagus, said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. For as I passed along... As I passed along and observed the objects of worship, I found also an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, being the Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything. Alright, so number one, right, what he's saying is that God does not need you to open your Bible and read it. Alright? Don't ever, come, uh, don't ever approach God thinking you're doing him a favor by spending time with him. All right? he, he needs nothing from human hands. And he, made from, uh, and he made, verse 25, Nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek him and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being, as some of your own poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. Verse 29, being then God's offspring, we ought not to think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of man. Verse 30, the times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent, because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed, Jesus Christ, and of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. So as we get started here, what the first thing I want to do is I want to hold God out to you, okay? I want, when I say, how do you spend time with God? I want you to see who God is first before we start talking about how to spend time with him. So let's just look at this, all right? In verse 24, he says, the God who made the world and everything in it. We're talking about the God who is the creator, all right? I want you to think, just let this blow your mind. The earth is a ball, and it's 75% water. And like, you're standing on a ball that's full of water, and you don't fall off, right? Like, that's, that's like, some of y'all are just like, man, this ain't science class, right? Think about it. That's, that's crazy, right? All right, and not only that, it's the third ball from a star that's a million miles away and the ball that we're on is spinning a 1,000 miles an hour, and it's a million miles away from a giant ball of gas that's giving us heat. And if it was like two inches closer to that giant ball of gas, then we'd all burn up. But if it was like two inches farther, we'd all be freezing. Like, understand who I'm saying that God is when I'm saying he's a creator. Like, that should blow your mind. So we get to meet the creator. You get to open your Bibles and get on your knees and talk to a creator. Man, that's awesome to me. The other thing is that he gives life. So it says that he gives, since he himself, verse 25, gives to all mankind breath and everything. Do this for me. Do this. Let's take a breath. Do that. I can hear y'all do it. Do it. Right? I know y'all are not doing it. All right? So you take a breath and you breathe out. You got to do that because God gave you the breath to do it. The Bible says he literally gives breath. All right? So when you're meeting with God, you're talking about the person who is allowing your lungs to feel and expand. That, that, that should blow us away. He's self-sufficient. He said he doesn't need anything. There is nothing that you have that God's looking and like, man, that Dallas, he's got, that, he's, got a, he's got something nice. I'd like to have that. He made it. 
He doesn't need anything from us. And then not only that, he makes nations rise and fall. Verse 26, he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and boundaries of their dwelling places. All right? God ain't worried about Russia moving into Syria. He knows what's going on, right? He ain't worried about the 2016 presidential election as much as I am, right? He knows when nations rise and he knows when nations fall. He's, he's over everything. And get this, this God, this powerful God, loves you. That's what's crazy. You have the opportunity to open your Bible and meet with a man and meet with God who came to this earth as a man and died on a cross, and the Bible says he was resurrected to prove who he really was. He died and came back to life. When I'm telling you that you have the opportunity to meet with God, I don't think you understand who I'm talking about. All right? I'm saying that you get to wake up in the mornings or before you go to bed at night, you get to get on your knees and talk with the most powerful being you could ever possibly imagine who's, more, who's bigger and more complex than we can even fathom. We've got to know who God is when we start talking about how do we meet with him, okay? So let's get into this question now. If you've got your books, this is where I'm going to start with the blanks. So how do we spend time with God? Listen, it all comes down to this. I'm going to start with this question, and I'm going to end with this question tonight. Are you pursuing Christ, okay? That's where, when I'm talking about how do you spend time with God, it starts and ends with that question. Are you, with everything in you have in your life, going hard after God? That's what this is about. So that's what time with God comes down to. Are you more willing to pursue Him than you are anything else in this world? I kind of think about it like this, and I'm about to get to the blanks, I promise. All right, but I kind of think about it like this. My wife, I've got her absolutely fooled most days, right? Most days, all right? But somehow, I made the most beautiful woman I've ever seen fall in love with me. But it didn't happen overnight. Like, I had to constantly pursue her, right? And so this is what I used to do. I used to wake up before I knew she would wake up and send, like, a seven-page text message. And it would be like, girl, you're the finest thing since fine, all right? Like, it was, it was absurd, right? But, and then, get this, I even, there were times where I took her dancing. I can't no more dance than the man on the moon, right? I can't dance. But I, 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 I took her dancing, and I, I bought her flowers, and I did all these things because, like, I just had to have her. I, was, I pursued her heart. And that's the way I kind of want you to think about pursuing God. Is he the one thing in your life that you have got to have? Understand this. If you are not pursuing Christ, you will not want to spend time with God. So let's start, let's start with this. Consider these three things when spending time with God. If you've got your blanks, this is where it starts. Number one, it looks different for everybody. This is not a one-size-fits-all thing, okay? Spending time with God looks different for everyone. And number two, understand this. The purpose for spending time with God is transformation, all right? That's that blank. It's transformation. So you don't get up in the mornings and read your Bible and pray just so you can fill your mind with stuff. Right? The purpose of, of praying, the purpose of spending time with God, the purpose of journaling, the purpose of reading your Bible is so that God can change you, not just so that you can know some stuff. Okay? It's, it's a big difference. And then understand this, it's necessary. That's that third blank. These three things, consider these three things of spending time with God. It looks different for everyone. The purpose of spending time with God is transformation. And then number three, it's necessary. All right? So under, get this. 23 times in the gospel, and there's a couple of verses listed right there. I'm not going to read them. But 23 times in the gospels, we see Jesus either wakes up early to go and pray or stays up all night praying. Spending time with God. So my question is, if Jesus needed to pray and spend time with God, how much more do we need to pray and spend time with God? Like, it is absolutely necessary for us to spend time with God. I heard Eddie Conway say this one time, and it just it blew me away. He said, there is no substitute for you getting on your knees or you opening up your word. Guys, I can, come, I can come and preach the greatest message in the world. Jeremy can come and preach the greatest message in the world. But it will not make up for you not actively, personally seeking God yourself. All right? There is no substitute for this. So here's my outline. Here's where we're going. Those next three blanks. Three things spending time with God includes are three, are three ways to spend time with God alone. Here's my outline for all you type A people. This is where we're going. Number one, it includes intentionally getting alone. So, all right, so that's the first blank, intentionally get alone. Number two, 
Time with God must be centered on God's word. Must be centered on God's word. And then number three, intimate relational prayer. So, so three things, spending time with God alone includes, number one, alone time, number two, God's word, and number three, intimate relational prayer. So that's where we're going tonight. Let's look at the first thing first. We're going to talk about intentional alone time. So let's start with that first blank there. Find, that first blank is find your place and time. Find your place and time. So I want you to think about this tonight, and you have to be honest with yourself as I ask you this question. Where do you focus on the Lord the best? Where is it that you can hear from God the most? Where do you know, and in your head you kind of know where it's at, where can you go and open your Bible and be distraction-free and have time alone with God and, and just hear from Him? You know where that place is. Where is it at, all right? So, Listen, the number one thing that amazes me about people is, is I meet with them and I talk with them and I, somebody might be having a struggle. And the number one question I always ask is, have you been spending time alone with God? And they'll say no. And the number one thing is, I didn't have time. Are you serious? What, that, that God I'm talking about, you didn't have time to meet with him. All right? Did you have time to eat? Because I would much rather meet with that God than, than catch a cheeseburger from Dairy Queen as much as I love Dairy Queen, right? So did you, not having time is not an excuse. Like the number one thing that amazes me is that people don't intentionally set aside a time and a place to pursue Christ, all right? So get this. We always make time for what's important to us, always, whether it's in the morning or whether it's at night. I've seen it work both ways. Example A, me and duck hunting, all right? Now, some of y'all was just quiet because y'all like, I can't believe he's about to preach on duck hunting. All right, I'm about to give it to you, all right? I've seen men that can wake up at 4 o'clock in the morning and be like, I'm going to kill a duck. That's crazy. But you can't get up to read your Bible? All right, uh, don't, women, don't think I'm about to leave you alone. Here you go. I've seen women not even go to sleep on Black Friday. they like, oh, a deranged animal. All right, you go to Black Friday, and you will get run over by a woman who hasn't slept in 48 hours because Black Friday starts on Wednesday now. All right? We always make time in our life for what's important, guys. Always, always, always. Don't tell me that you don't have time to spend with God when you're willing to make sacrifices for what's important to you. Next thing is eliminate distractions. So constantly ask this question, what is it that's hindering my alone time with God? What is it that's preventing me from hearing from God? Is it your spouse? Is it your kids? Is it your phone? Is it your TV? What is it that prevents you from hearing from God? And do whatever it takes to eliminate that distraction. All right? So I'm, I don't matter worth a hill of beans, guys, but I'm just going I'm to be honest with you so you can, you can know how this works for me. All right? My wife is not a morning person. All right? She doesn't like to get up. And she knows I'm about to tell this story because I tell her every time I preach heart and soul, all right? But once she's up, it's like one of those cartoons where they, they skip and they talk and the birds carry them, right? And it's just like, Dallas, did you see what so-and-so put on Facebook last night? Dallas, what time are you going to be home? Do you want to eat breakfast? I think I'm going to eat cinnamon toast crunch. I mean, just on and on and on, right? So, like, when I want to have my quiet time in the morning, I have to do the very best I can to eliminate that distraction which oftentimes means I'm, a, I'm up at least an hour before she is. Because, listen, as much as I love my wife and as much as I want to talk to her in the morning, spending time with God is way more important than asking her, answering her questions, right? And, like, I know some of you, like, that think that's harsh. Like, man, you should love your wife. I love my wife more than you can possibly imagine. But what I'm telling you is that she is not as important to me as God is. So eliminate distractions. Understand this. For some, of you, some of you guys have kids and you're busy and you don't ever have any time. Just understand this. 15 minutes undistracted is better than an hour with distractions. Tell, tell, tell your husband, tell your wife, can you keep the kids for 15 minutes for me while I please go talk to Jesus? I promise you, if your spouse doesn't do that, they need to come talk to me and Jeremy, all right? 15 minutes is better than an hour alone. All right, and then constantly ask, what is robbing me of my alone time from God? What is robbing you of your alone time from God? Listen. Rest assured, guys, that Satan wants to try his very best to prevent you from spending time with God. Whatever he can do, that's what he wants to do. What, ask yourself that question. What's preventing me from spending time with God, alone with God? And listen, do whatever it takes. 
Do not settle. Do not surrender. Do not back up. Do whatever it takes for you to spend time alone with God. I'll flip the situation around myself and give you my wife's story. She locks me out of our bedroom. Don't matter what time of day it is, I can't get in the bedroom for at least 30 minutes when that bedroom door gets locked, all right? Don't matter what's going on, don't, somebody better be dying if I'm knocking on that door. Do whatever you've got to do. Don't let anybody else be more important than spending time alone with God, all right? So lastly, that, in that box there, it says this. Is my public passion exceeding my private devotion? Is, my pu- is how you act at church the same person? When the, are you the same person when that alarm clock goes off in the morning? Do you want to know God just as much at church and as you do at 4 o'clock in the morning, at 5 o'clock in the morning, at 11 o'clock at night when it's time for you to spend time with God? Is your public passion matching your private devotion? So that's the first point, intentional alone time. Guys, make time to get along with God. It's more, the things that are most important to you have your time. I think we could all agree on that. Whether it's our children, whether it's our spouses, whether it's our family, whether it's our job, the things that are most important in your life have your time. Make time. Then, then the, that brings me to my second point. God's Word is central. All right? God's Word is central. Here's what I want you guys to understand. The Bible is literally more important than breath. And to some of you guys, like I know, like you, you think I'm crazy sitting up, in here, sitting up in here. Y'all like, man, this fool is whack out of his mind. He's telling me to get up early or go to bed late. And now he's saying that the Bible is more important than breath. What I'm telling you is, is that this is God's word to you. It's literally more important than breath. God's word is central. There is no substitute for God's word. So right there in that first point let's talk about this before we get to before we dive any more into talking about God's word understand that the holy spirit brings a desire to know God when you are saved christian when you are born again by the power of God, when you have experienced who God really is, when you've seen him as lifted up high and mighty, when you've seen Jesus on the cross where you should be, you naturally have a desire to know Jesus. You don't have to teach a Christian to, look, to, to want to know God. It just, they want to know God. It's like, it's like a, a little boy wanting to know his daddy or a little girl wanting to know her mama. It's natural that when we're saved, we should want to know our Father. If you want to know God, then the Bible is the most important tool you've got. And guys, I can't tell you how, much, how many times over my, over my short Christian walk that I've prayed, God, I just want to know you more. Because that, if we're saved, that should be the greatest desire of our heart. And listen, I'm not trying to be ugly. I'm not trying to be rude. And I'm definitely not judging you. But if you do not want to know God, something is not right in your heart. If you don't want to know God more, if you don't have a passion in your heart to, to want to love him and want to spend time with him, something isn't adding up. So look at 1 Peter 2, 2 through 3 right there. It says, like newborn infants long for pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up to salvation if indeed you have tasted the Lord is good. Here's the thing. Have you ever seen a baby without a bottle? They are pitching a fit. And what he's saying is like the same way that a baby wants a bottle, we should be just as serious about wanting God, about wanting his word, about wanting to know him. All right? So understand that the Holy Spirit brings a desire to know God. On the next page, though, understand the importance of God's word. So it's like I said. The Bible is literally the most important thing you have in this world. But sadly, when some of you leave here tonight, you're going to throw it up on your dash. You're going to walk in and throw it on your nightstand, and it will not be picked up again until the next time you come to church. I know because I've treated my Bible the same exact way before. But understand the importance of God's Word. Number one, the Bible is the inspired Word of God. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Listen, that word breathed out, it literally means that God's breath is on, pay, is on paper. All right, that's not good. We, we might, might be here for 20 minutes after that, right? My, my notes fell off. So it means that God's, God's breath is literally on paper for you to see. God has communicated to you. It's, uh, it's God's breath on paper. 
So the Bible is the inspired word of God. Men wrote it, but it's literally from God. And number two, it's God's word to you. When you open up the, the Bible, you're not just opening up something that, that's relevant 2,000 years ago, and it's not relevant anymore. It has no bearing on your life today. You're opening up God's word, the God who I said created a, a rock and set water on it and, light, and created human life on it a million miles away from the sun. You're opening up the word that is literally written by him to you, to Dallas. Wilson, to Rick Lane, to Jenna Wilson, right? It's God's word to you. Listen, guys, if what I'm telling you is true, where else would you rather go? Is there anything else you could be- that you would rather do? Is TV really better than God speaking to you on a paper? Is, is, your, is your spouse or your children really better than God's word written down for you? Where else will we run? Listen, I, I could talk about the Bible all night, and I just don't feel like I could convey what I really want to convey to you. And there's a video that we're about to show right here. I just want you to take a quick look at this video, and then when I get back up, I'll finish, I'll finish talking about the Bible. So, Mason, will you play that video for us? comforts the depressed 
inspires the discouraged, guides the confused. He empowers us to make our lives count for his cause in the world. He satisfies us completely and forever with words, his words. I read my Bible tomorrow? Where else would I go? How else will I know Him? How else will I prepare myself to enjoy Him forever? Yes, I'll spend the rest of my life looking out of this window, watching, waiting for another sight of Him, another miracle, another glimpse of my God. I love the way he talks about the Bible because it, 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 he talks about it with weight, right? So the, we treat the Bible so lightly. We treat the Bible like it's unimportant, like it can just wait on us, like I'll get to it if I have time. We don't give it enough weight. We're people who don't like the weight of situations. But he treats the Bible with a lot of weight because it, it deserves a lot of weight. And I love what he says. He says about halfway through the video, when it comes down to it, the main reason we don't read the Bible is because we don't want to read the Bible. Listen, I'm not, I know for some of you, reading is not easy. I don't, make that, I don't take that lightly. Some of you don't understand what it's saying. But what I'm telling you is that I've seen people get on fire for God, and it didn't matter that reading was hard. It didn't matter that they didn't understand it. They got on fire for it, and they worked their way through it. Like, listen, I promise you, don't think that if you have a question about the Bible, that there are not a numerous amount of resources you can go to or people you can text. I don't care if it's 2 o'clock in the morning or, or 2 o'clock in the afternoon. If you have a question about the Bible, by all means, text me. Text Jeremy. Text somebody from this church. Because, listen, the main reason you don't read the Bible is not because you don't understand it. I'm taking away that excuse from you. The main reason we don't read the Bible is because we don't want to read the Bible. But look at in your book, Psalms 19, about halfway through that verse. It says, More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey, drippings from the honeycomb. Guys, the Bible is literally more valuable than gold. Don't make excuses about how you can approach it or you don't know how or you won't do it. Listen, guys, the reason you don't read the Bible, the reason you don't make time to spend time alone with God is because you don't want to. So let's talk about how we should approach God's Word. I'm going to give you four ways to approach God's Word right here. All right, The first one's humbly. Listen, when we open God's Word, every morning when I get up and I open God's Word, I open it as a beggar. I don't have anything to bring. I'm just laying down my life and saying, God, would you please, please, please talk to me? I, I, I'm in desperate need. So you approach it humbly because you realize your need. Number two, you approach it reverently. So with reverence. Listen. You ever seen one of those dumb videos on, on the Animal Channel or Animal Planet where somebody, like, slaps a tiger and, like, the tiger turns around and eats them? And you're like, man, that's, that's pretty funny, right? But they got, they got bitten, they got eaten because they slapped the tiger. They didn't realize who they were coming to, right? And so a lot of us approach God's Word that same way. When you open up God's Word, this is not a mere history book. This is not just some facts on a page. You're before the king of the universe. So we approach God with reverence. And then number three, we approach God submissively. And what I mean by that is that I don't get to pick and choose what's in here, guys. I can't take certain parts that I like and then certain parts that I don't like and say, I'll obey this one, God, but I'm not going to obey this one. Guys, we approach God's word submissively. It doesn't matter if we like what it says. It says it and God says it. So we approach it with submission. And then lastly, number four, we approach it joyfully. And what I would have you guys realize as I'm talking about the Bible is I'm not, I'm not trying to get you to suck all the fun out of your life. I'm not up here preaching to you tonight about the Bible, hoping that you'll, you'll read it and that you'll just become a, a, a dull, boring person. What I want you to get from the Bible is that it's for your joy. And it's not just for your joy now. It's for your joy forever. There are a lot of things in this world that can make you happy for right now. 
You can go and have and have a, you can have a great marriage and it can make you happy for now. You can have a good meal and it can make you happy for now. You can have all the material things in this world and it can make you happy for now. But what I'm telling you is that when you open God's word, it's for your joy now and forever. All right? So we're talking about approaching it joyfully. And that brings us to three ways to read it. And I'm going to run through these really quick. If you miss them, just get it at the back. Number one, we can just read it like it's a storybook. Number two, we can study it. So we actually break it down and figure out what it's saying. And number three, we meditate it and memorize it. And I I want you to write this quote down off to the side. J.D. Greer says this. He says, the world will cut you. When it does, as Christians, we should bleed God's word. So you're going to, if you live in this world long enough, you're going to hear bad news. You're going to get cut. Cancer, you're, somebody's going to get cancer. Somebody's going to die. Somebody's going to have tragedy. There's going to be pain and suffering if you live long enough in this world. You're going to get cut by the world. But what I'm telling, what he's saying is that when it does, we should be so deep in God's word. We should be so in love with God that when those cuts come, we bleed God's word. It's literally pulsing out of us. So number three, understand why we study the Bible. Your intention in studying and reading God's word is to know God, not just gain intellectual knowledge. So listen to me. This is what makes Christianity so unique, all right? Christianity is the only religion in the world where it's about knowing someone, not doing something, right? Uh, Islam, Buddhism, uh, Sikhs, you name it, all right? Their, their religion teaches, do this and you might get into heaven or you might find perfect peace. That's not how it works in Christianity. The intention in Christianity is to know Jesus. That's, like, that's why Jesus said in John chapter 17, verse 3, when he was praying in the garden, he says, he's praying and he says, God, I've come to give them eternal life. And this is eternal life. This is what he says. This is eternal life that they may know me and know you who sent me. So Jesus didn't say eternal life was walking on the streets of gold, kicking up dust with granddaddy going fishing, right? He said eternal life is that you get to know Jesus. That's why we approach God's word. That's why we come to the Bible, because we want to know God. So like I said before, it all comes back to that one question. Are you pursuing Christ? Then that brings us to... uh, Knowing God through his word leads us to two things. So when we know God, when we approach God's word and we want to know him more, it leads us to do two things. Number one, it leads us to worship. You can't worship what you don't know. Listen, I, I want to just do a little inventory. and we might, we might be a little slack in this. Raise your hand if you've been married for longer than four years. Raise your hand if you've been long, married longer for ten years than ten years. All right, we're pretty good. I'm impressed, all right? Raise your hand if you've been married longer than 15 years. Man, we are doing awesome. Okay. All right, raise your hand if you've been married longer than 20 years. All right, I'm not, if I'm, we go any higher, I'm going to be telling ages, and I don't want to do that. All right, so let me ask you people who've been married longer than 20 years this, all right? And I, I, I might be, da- be dabbling in dangerous waters here. But I would be da- willing to say that most of you love your spouse more today than you did 20 years ago. Would that be a fair assessment? And the reason that is, is because you know them more now than you did 20 years ago. So like me and my wife have only been married two years this March. And like I know way more about her now than I did then. For instance, homegirl don't like jelly. Why, I don't know, right? Just crazy stuff like that. But here's what I'm trying to help you see, is that the more you know somebody, the greater your capacity is to love them. And the more you know God through his word, the more you worship him in his word, the more you can love him, the more you can worship him, right? So Psalm 63.3 says, because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. Man, that, that should blow us away. And then number two, it leads us to repentance, all right? So when we know God's word, we're shaped by God's word. God's word says to quit 
for instance, having uh, sex outside of marriage, if you are having sex outside of marriage, what happens when you read that in God's Word? You repent. You turn from doing one thing and start following God, right? That's just one instance. Say, uh, God, God says anger is a sin. If you have anger problems, you read in God's Word where He says anger is a sin. You, try to, you start praying and you ask God to deal with your anger. So you repent from being an angry person, asking God to make you an unangry person, and then you start walking the way He wants you to walk, all right? When we are in God's Word, we walk in repentance, all right? And so it kind of works like this. The Bible should shape us. It should prune us. It should knock some stuff off of us, right? I got my, uh, I got a guy, I'll pay anybody to do anything, right? Long care, I don't do it. Pay somebody to do it. And so this week, my wife was like, the, the shrubs need cleaning up. So he came and he shaped those shrubs. And guys, they look phenomenal. I could, he can charge me as much as he wants because I'd have never been able to do it that good, right? And so what I'm learning is that just how he went and shaped those shrubs, he cut here and cut there. When we're in God's Word, that's what it should do to us. It should literally knock pieces off of us. It should re- make us look different than when we first started be- being in God's Word. Some of you have been coming here week after week, and you hear me and Jeremy talk about repentance, and you're like, I don't get it. What is he trying us to re- get us to repent from? All right, I've already said the sinner's prayer. I've done that. I, I've been baptized. I'm saved. I'm good. And you hear us talk about repentance and, we, and we're up here telling you need to repent and you're like, I don't understand what I need to repent from. What I'm telling you is, is that if you get in God's word, that won't be an issue anymore. You'll find plenty you need to repent from. Repentance is not saying a prayer. Repentance is not walking an aisle. Repentance is being in God's word and allowing him to change who you are, not just what you do. Right? So we like to think, oh, I said, I said that sinner's prayer. I walked out, got baptized. That means I'm going to heaven when I die. Not necessarily. Because the mark of salvation is repentance. Turning away from who you are and becoming who God wants you to be. So get in God's word, and I promise you, he will show you how to, what, some things you need to be repenting from. And then that brings us to number four on the next page there. Understand how to study the Bible. So there, there are some dangerous approaches. Number one is the too emotional approach. Well, when you're in the Bible, well, it, that just don't feel right to me. And what happens is uh, you, you, might, you can feel a lot of things. For instance, somebody in this room might feel gay. You might feel like you need to have sex outside of marriage. You might feel angry. You might feel lustful. You might feel sad, right? And so if you approach God's word with how you feel, it's going to lead you to ignore some stuff, right? You don't want to take what feels right to you. You want to take what's there. So don't be too emotional. Don't be too spiritual. I call this the, two, the, the teenage girl effect, all right? So the too spiritual approach is when, like, the little girl's like, I just want God to show me if I should date Johnny, all right? And so she opens up her Bible, and she's reading about John the Baptist, and John the Baptist has got long hair, and his name's John, and she closes and like, I think God's telling me to date Johnny. <laughs> well, how'd you get that, sweetheart? Well, for one, his name's Johnny, and his name was John, okay? So that's number one. Number two, Johnny's got long hair, and John the Baptist had long hair, right? And you're like, where did you get get all that from, right? You don't want to be too spiritual. Don't look for some deep, deep hidden meeting, and you don't want to be too superficial, all right? So if you've ever been at a Bible study, this question's been asked. It's gone something like this. What does it, uh, it goes something like this. What does this Bible passage mean to you, all right? And Joe over here has got some answer that's like, man, I just think that after reading this, I need to go hiking more, you know? I think that's what God's trying to tell me in this. I'm almost positive God wasn't trying to tell Joe to go hiking more. Right? The scripture doesn't mean one thing for Chase and another thing for me. It doesn't mean one thing for Rick and another thing for me. It means one thing. Now, the way we apply it might be differently, but it means one thing, right? So that brings us to two practical methods for study. And what I want you to do right there, it's got a box up on it that says Alabama. Mark that out. Just take that and put a big X in it, all right? I know the guy who created this, and I pick at him all the time. I was like, this this is a bad joke. He says that it should be Alabama because uh, people from Alabama don't know how to spell Alabama. And I'm like, dude, my people don't even think that's funny. So let's just mark that box out, all right? So mark Alabama. So when we're talking about how to study the Bible, I want you to ask yourself these three questions. Number one, what does it say? Number one, what does it say? Number two, what does it mean? And then number three, what does it mean for me? 
All right? So you want to ask yourself, what is the author trying to say in this passage? Then you want to ask yourself, what does it mean that he's saying this? And then we're going to talk about how to apply it. Number three, what does it mean for me? Right? So read asking yourself those questions. A lot of times you might be reading your Bible, guys, and you're like, I'm not getting anything out of it. It's because you're not thinking about it. Thinking's hard work, right? It ain't like scrolling through Facebook and just being mind numb. You got to be active in it. You got to be thinking, right? So then that brings us to the next page. Study small sections. So that's, there's one way to do it. Ask yourself what it says. Ask yourself what it means. And then ask yourself what does it mean for me. But then number uh, the second way to study is study small sections. And when that comes, uh, you think about it like this. Read a whole book of the Bible. Take a small book of the Bible and read it all the way through. And then take that book of the Bible that you read and read a chunk of it. Find out what the author's trying to say in five verses, in six verses. And then when you do that, just to put your Bible aside and think about it. Now, I know thinking's hard work. We don't like it to be quiet, but just think about it. And then even I'm going to try to get you guys to do this, memorize it. Now, some of y'all, I just lost y'all. Like, I ain't trying to memorize nothing, Right? I can't memorize Dallas. Uh, all right, we, go, we can go get in my truck right now, and I'm going to turn on the radio, and everybody's going to know the words to You Should Be Here by Cole Swindell. All right? Every one of y'all. All right? You and, some of you, you might have a little different taste, turn some Drake on or something crazy like that, and you might know what I'm talking about. All right? But you can, mem- you can remember stuff. You remember what you want to remember. Study small sections of Scripture at a time. This is how we bleed God's Word, guys. Nobody just naturally bleeds God's Word. All right, But when you come to it day after day, that's how you bleed God's Word. That, when you study small sections, number five, understand this. It's okay not to understand everything. And I'm starting to wind down now. Understand this. It's okay not to understand everything. It's a growing process. Be diligent. Listen, one day of having a quiet time is not going to make that big a difference in your life. I hate to bust your bubble. One day of having a quiet time is not going to make that big a change. Two days probably ain't going to make that big a change. But when you do it every day for a week, that's seven days. And then when you do it every day for a month, that's 30. And then when you do it every day for a year, that's 365. And then when you've done it every day for 10 years, I don't know how many days that is. It's a lot, right? But when you've put in day after day in a growing process, that's what makes the difference in your life. And understand this, there is no substitute for you spending time with God. So, lastly, uh, remember you have the Spirit in you to guide you. We got any football fans in here? Anybody a football fan? Was anybody glad the Broncos won the Super Bowl? Nobody's glad the Broncos won the Super Bowl, right? So, if you've been following the football season any of this year, this, you'll, know, you'll have noticed this. In week 13, Peyton Manning got benched. Does everybody know what I'm talking about when I'm saying Peyton Manning? Yes, no? All right. Week 13, Peyton Manning got benched. Week 15... Everybody's talking, should we put Peyton Manning back in? If we want to make it to the Super Bowl, do we put Peyton Manning back in? And the coach eventually puts Peyton Manning back in, lets him start, and the Broncos go on to win the Super Bowl, right? And so know this about Peyton Manning. He's one of the best quarterbacks to have ever played the game. And here's what that co- <laughs> That's what I got to amen from, guys, really? <laughs> He's one of the best quarterbacks to ever play the game. And that coach knew this. You don't lose a football game, and you definitely don't lose the Super Bowl with the best player on the bench. It's the same way with the Holy Spirit and reading your Bible. You've got the best player there to help you. Every morning, you want me to tell you what I do first thing when I open my Bible? Holy Spirit, help me. Because I don't understand it. I don't understand what God's trying to tell me. I don't understand what he's trying to work in my heart. But I know that he's there to help me, so I I, I lean on the Holy Spirit. I ask for him. And then lastly, guys, my third point is we're closing out. Intimate relational prayer. So we've talked about things along with God includes. Number one, it includes time alone. Find your place in time. Number two, it must be centered on God's word. That's where we spent most of the time at. And then number three, it's intimate relational prayer. It's a two-sided relationship. You talk to God and you listen to God. And you allow Him to answer through His Word. And don't always think He has to answer in extravagant ways. Listen, I go into a room every morning to pray, and I pray, God, help me be a better husband. God has never once come out the closet in that room and said, Hey, man, maybe you should buy some flowers today. Right? That's not how He answered. 
But when you have this word open in front of you, God is there and he wants to answer your prayers. So don't always think he has to don't always think he has to answer in extravagant ways. And understand this, if you are pursuing Christ with everything you have, trust that he will not lead you astray. So guys, it comes full circle tonight. I started with one question. Are you pursuing Christ? And I'm closing tonight with one question. Are you pursuing Christ? Because if you are, your spending time with God will take care of itself. It will happen naturally if you're pursuing Christ. But some of you in here, you don't, I've been talking about the Bible, and I've been talking about spending time with God, and let's be honest, you have hated it. You have thought this was the most boring sermon you've ever heard. I can tell, because some of y'all are just like, man, it's, it's, getting, it's 706, let's go. All right, I, I can tell. But rest assured, guys, this, this is so bad for some of you, because you don't have a relationship with God. You aren't pursuing Christ. So it is hard for you to get up and read your Bible. It is hard for you to to pursue Christ because you're not in a relationship with him tonight. And guys, we come to you week after week, and I'm coming to you again tonight, and I'm telling you this, that the God who created the universe came to the earth as a man and died on the cross because of your sin and my sin so that we could have a relationship with him and so that we could spend time with him and hear from him, so that we could pursue him. And so tonight, I just, I, in this room, I know that there are those of you here who, like, you have been talking, you've been hearing me talk about this, and you hated it because you know in your heart you don't have a relationship with God. You know you don't spend time with God because you don't want to spend time with God. And so if that's you here tonight, and maybe I've been talking about this, and you want a relationship with Christ, you're hearing me and you say, Dallas, I want to spend time with God. I want to be in His Word. I want to love Him. I want to pursue Him. And that's you tonight. Listen, I want to give you that opportunity. I can promise you that Christ wants you to do that. But it starts with this. Faith and repentance. And so tonight, if you don't have a relationship with Him, and you want one, and you're willing to say that I'm turning away from the person I used to be, and I want to pursue Christ, not myself anymore, and I believe that His death on the cross paid the price for my sins, and you want that relationship tonight, what I want to do is I just want to ask you to raise your hand. Will you just, if tonight you feel like Christ is calling you out of sin into life and you want a relationship with him, will you just raise your hand? We just want to give people that opportunity. Anybody tonight saying, I want to have that relationship? That's fine. That's fine. That means that we're all here saved. But there's a lot of us who don't spend time with God. It doesn't make any sense to me, guys. So I'm just going to be honest with you. If you know Him and aren't pursuing Him, then after this sermon tonight, you should be broken. You should be like, God, I want to spend more time with you. I want to know you more. Help me. I want to give you that opportunity too. This altar is going to be open tonight. As they're going to sing, don't worry about them singing. You just come and pray. If you want to spend time with God and you want to give Him more of your heart and you want to devote more of yourself to Him and pursue Him, come down here and pray tonight. This altar is open. We want to give you that opportunity. I love you guys so much. Thank you for uh, giving me your ear. Let's pray. God, Lord, even as, as I've had to go over tonight, I, I've just I felt your spirit, God, and there's just just people holding back in here tonight God I just feel in here that there are people who are broken and who want that relationship with you but they're holding back God would you have them come to somebody after the service is over God please and then God there are people in here who want to spend time with you God I pray that you would empower them to do it starting right here right now tonight we love you and we praise you in Christ's name